Hello, this is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States opinion syllabus in Herrera v. Wyoming, certiori to the District Court of Wyoming, Sheridan County, argued January 8, 2019, decided May 20, 2019. An 1868 treaty between the United States and the Crow Tribe promised that in exchange for most of the tribe's territory in modern-day Montana and Wyoming, its members would have the right to hunt on unoccupied lands of the United States, so long as game may be found thereon, and peace subsists. On the borders of the hunting districts, Wyoming charged petitioner Clavin Herrera with off-season hunting in Bighorn National Forest and being an accessory to the same. The state trial court rejected Herrera's argument that he had protected right to hunt in the uh, in the forest pursuant to the 1868 treaty, and a jury convicted him. On appeal, the state appellate court relied on the reasoning of the Tenth Circuit's decision in Crow Tribe of Indians versus Repsis, which in turn relied upon this court's decision in Ward versus Racehorse, and held that the treaty right expired upon Wyoming's statehood. The court rejected Herrera's argument that this court subsequent decision in Minnesota versus Malak's Band of Chippewa Indians repudiated racehorse and therefore undercut the logic of Repsis. In any event, the court concluded Herrera was precluded from arguing that the treaty right survived Wyoming statehood because the Crow tribe had litigated Repsis on behalf of itself and its members. Even if the 1868 treaty right survived Wyoming statehood, the court added, it did not permit Herrera to hunt in Bighorn National Forest because the treaty right applies only on unoccupied lands, and the National Forest became categorically occupied when it was created. The Supreme Court held, vacated and remanded, Justice Sotomayor delivered the opinion of the court. The Crow tribe's hunting rights under the 1868 treaty did not expire upon Wyoming statehood. This case is controlled by Mille Lacs, not Racehorse. Racehorse concerned a hunting right guaranteed in an 1868 treaty with the Shoshone and Bannock tribes containing language identical to that at issue here. Relying on two lines of reasoning, the Racehorse court held that Wyoming's admission to the United States in 1890 extinguished the Shoshone-Bannock treaty right. First, the doctrine that new states are admitted to the Union on an equal footing with existing states led the court to conclude that affording the tribes a protected hunting right lasting after statehood would conflict with the power vested in those states, and newly shared by Wyoming, to regulate the killing of game within their borders. Second, the court found no evidence in the Shoshone-Bannock Treaty itself that Congress intended the treaty right to conclude, continue in perpetuity. Malax undercut both pillars of Racehorse's reasoning. Malax established that the crucial inquiry for treaty termination analysis is whether Congress has clearly expressed an intent to abrogate an Indian treaty right, or whether a termination point identifying in the treaty itself has been satisfied. Thus, while Racehorse was not expressly overruled in Mille Lacs, it retains no vitality. It's Limbach versus Hoven and Allison Corporation.
and is repudiated to the extent that it held that treaty rights can be impliedly extinguished at statehood. Repsis does not preclude Herrera from arguing that the 1868 treaty right survived Wyoming statehood, even when the elements of issue preclusion are met. An exception may be warranted if there has been an intervening change in the applicable legal context. Bobby versus Buys. Here, Malak's repudiation of racehorse's reasoning, on which Repsis relied, justifies an exception. Applying Malax, Wyoming's admission into the Union did not abrogate the Crow tribe's off-reservation treaty hunting right. There is also no evidence in the treaty itself that Congress intended the hunting right to expire at statehood, or that the Crow tribe would have understood it to do so. Nor does the historical record support a reading, such a reading of the treaty. The state counters that statehood, as a practical matter, rendered all the lands in the state occupied. Even assuming that Wyoming presents an accurate historical picture, the state, by using statehood as a proxy for occupation, subverts this court's clear instruction that treaty-protected rights are not impliedly terminated upon statehood. To the extent that the state seeks to rely on historical evidence to establish that all land in Wyoming was functionally occupied by 1890, its arguments fall outside the question presented and are unpersuasive in any event. The Bighorn National Forest did not become categorically occupied within the meaning of the 1868 treaty when the National Forest was created. Constructing the treaty's terms as they would naturally be understood by the Indians, that's Washington versus Washington State Commercial Passenger Fishing Vessel Association, it is clear that the tribe would have understood the word unoccupied to denote an area free of residence or settlement by non-Indians. That interpretation follows from several cues in the treaty's text. For example, the treaty made the hunting right contingent upon peace among the whites and Indians on the borders of the hunting districts. Thus, contrasting the unoccupied hunting districts with areas of white settlement. Historical evidence confirms this reading of unoccupied. Wyoming's counterarguments are unavailing. The federal government's exercise of control and withdrawing of the forest lands from settlement would not categorically transform the territory into an area resided on or settled by non-Indians. Quite the opposite. Nor would mining and logging of the forest lands prior to 1897 have caused the tribe to view the Bighorn Mountains as occupied. This decision is limited in two ways. First, the court holds that Bighorn National Forest is not categorically occupied, not that all areas within the forest are unoccupied. Second, the state's trial court decided that Wyoming could regulate the exercise of the 1868 treaty right in the interest of conservation, an issue not reached by the appellate court. The court also does not address the viability of the state's arguments on this issue. The decision below is vacated and remanded. Justice Sotomayor delivered the opinion of the court, in which Justice Ginsburg, Breyer, Kagan, and Gorsuch joined. Justice Alito filed a dissenting opinion, 
in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Thomas and Kavanaugh joined. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get a hold of the podcast, we can be reached at RhodesScholar80 at gmail.com. That's R-O-A-D-S and 8-0.